Hey, everybody. It is Thursday, August 17th. We're almost there, Jill. One more day to go this week. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwinunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. And sometimes we take the show on the road. <laughs> That's right. You're still in D.C. after um, reporting from the White House on Wednesday. Tell us everything. Yeah, so it was a really uh, great opportunity for us to get some eyes uh, on the ground there, be in the room uh, as the president uh, and his allies were uh, celebrating the one-year anniversary of a big piece of legislation, Inflation Reduction Act. We'll talk further about the pluses and minuses, the challenges associated with that um, in Speed Read, Jill, but still always very cool uh, to be in the White House, uh, be in the cross hall where you have the portrait of john f kennedy looking at ronald reagan then you're in this in the state dining room and by the way the white house ain't that big the main part of the white house like you can walk across the length of the white house this is excluding the west wing uh in about 90 seconds um that's how wide the building is wow i didn't realize that it's just the hiss i mean you pick a floor walk the cross hall this is the walk the red carpet you might recall like obama announcing they got osama or um, Trump and others announcing like judicial nominees with that like ornate walk. That walk, probably about 25 steps um, <laughs> from the door. And and which is cool, you think about like Abraham Lincoln had his office in the middle there and like had, uh, you know, was taking uh, appointments from American citizens. This is before they built the West Wing. Anyway, I could go on and on. I'm sort of obsessed with the history of the place. But like all the details, the presidential portraits, um, the, the portrait of Dolly Madison, the portrait that she saved from the fire in 1812 of George Washington um, and, you know, the view of the ellipse and the Washington Monument. Very cool. Uh, very interesting. And and all of you who are listening on your next trip to Washington, very easy to register on the White House website for one of those tours where you can get a glimpse of some of these rooms. Uh, always an interesting experience. Just don't leave a bag of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, leave your cocaine at home. Don't bring it to the White House. Jill, I actually got a few questions about uh, that saying, Mosh, are you in the place where the cocaine was dropped? The cocaine <laughs> apparently was left in the West Wing, which is not as open to the public uh, as the main part of the White House is. And so that was left in like a mail cubby next to the Situation Room of all places. I was not near that. That would have been very cool to be there today. I was in a different area of the White House. Uh, they put us through a metal detector, but and they had a bunch of dogs. I don't know if they were sniffing us for drugs. Needless to say, I didn't bring any drugs with me to the White House. <laughs> okay, good. So the Mo News team will perhaps get another invitation. Yes, yes. At least if we don't get another invitation, Jill, it won't be because we brought drugs to the White House. <laughs> All right, let's get to the headlines here. An update on the situation in Maui. As the death toll has climbed to more than 100 people killed in those wildfires, and officials also getting a bit closer to figuring out what caused the fires. Not exactly a Hollywood ending. The blindside controversy continues, and now the Tuies are responding to Michael Orr's claims about his conservatorship. On to politics, President Biden leaning into Bidenomics. And of course, Mosh was at the White House. He'll break it all down for us. Meanwhile, an appeals court is upholding some of the restrictions on an abortion pill. But what exactly does this mean? Also on the medical front, doctors transplanted a pig kidney into a person about a month ago, and it is still working. So we'll have an update on that. 
And Bradley Cooper accused of Jew face for wearing a fake nose in the movie Maestro about conductor Leonard Bernstein. But Bernstein's children are defending Cooper and the prosthetics. So we'll break it all down. And over on the moon, there is a new space race heating up as Russia and India attempt to land on the lunar South Pole in the coming days. Plus, Moshe is on the same history. We got a little George Orwell, a little bit of uh, presidential impeachment history, and also a certain singer who is trying to text another singer using Microsoft Excel. Over my head, I can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's start with an update uh, again on that situation in Hawaii. There are now more than 100 people confirmed dead from the wildfires that ravaged Maui. Many others are still unaccounted for. Cadaver dogs are now helping to search through the ruins. And there is an investigation underway to figure out exactly what caused the fire. Some video and data show that power lines likely caused Maui's first reported fire. Investigators are looking into whether downed power lines and also some decisions by the energy company there, Hawaiian Electric, had played a role. Uh, The area was under a red flag warning for fire risk at the time that those fires broke out because of Hurricane Dora, which was hundreds of miles offshore, causing really dangerous wind conditions. Yeah, so that new evidence comes from a company called Whisker Labs, which actually monitors thousands of electrical grid elements across the U.S., including dozens um, in Hawaii. And they recorded multiple significant incidents that do jive with some of the anecdotal things we heard early last week uh, in regards to sparks of light that people saw. Uh, This has been the prevailing idea. Obviously, it still needs to be investigated, but there does appear to be more evidence here that this was caused by downed power lines. It does come as President Biden announced that, yes, he will travel to Maui on Monday to survey recovery efforts. The White House announced yesterday that he'll meet with first responders, survivors, federal, state, and local officials during the visit. Some have been very critical of the president for not visiting sooner. Biden has said that he didn't want to get in the way of taking resources away from those who really need it. He said he wanted approval from the governor of Hawaii, the governor of Hawaii, saying, I think we'll be able to make it happen on Monday. We've talked about this a lot on the Instagram feed, Jill, that if you're a president, you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't when you're traveling to disasters. If you do go and show sympathy, you get criticism for tying up resources, traffic. When the president travels, he needs security. He needs first responders around him. And in the aftermath of a disaster, those are resources needed by the survivors, right? At the same time, if you don't go, you're criticized for having no emotion, no empathy, not caring about the situation. And if you do the in-between thing, one example of that is the President Bush flyover from Texas to D.C. over Katrina looking out the window. Also, no bueno, right? It was seen as, again, detached. Uh, he admitted later, you know, huge faux pas by him to fly over Katrina. And his excuse was, I didn't want to tie up resources down there. So that's been a thing now for decades. Uh, it appears Biden's going to be on the ground on Monday. He's already had the FEMA director there at the same time. Massive disaster zone, right? Death toll keeps going up. And the feeling on the ground from the survivors is they're still not getting enough in the way of uh, resources. At least you're hearing that criticism in various stories. And so we're going to stay on top of this uh, through the president's visit here and through the latest details. Okay, now to some new details on the story that we first talked about on Monday about ex-NFL player Michael Orr, subject of the best-selling book and movie The Blind Side. He had filed a lawsuit against the Tui family on Monday, saying that the couple lied about adopting him and instead tricked him into making them his conservators 
while making millions of dollars off of his name. In case you're not familiar with The Blind Side, inspired by Michael Orr's journey to the NFL, the book and then the film by the same name, it follows Orr. He was a homeless Black teenager welcomed into the Tuohy's home. The Tuohy's, a wealthy white family in Tennessee, uh, who ultimately did help launch his football career. The Tuohy's are now responding to Orr's claims that their frauds and stole millions of dollars from him. An attorney representing Leanne and Sean Tuohy, the couple that took him in, says that Michael Orr attempted to, quote, shake down the couple for $15 million before he filed the petition. In a statement issued to People magazine, the Tuohy family's attorney, Martin Singer, said that the Tuohy family opened their home to Mr. Orr, offered him structure, support, and most of all, unconditional love. His response was to threaten them, including saying that he would plant a negative story about them in the press unless they paid him $15 million. The statement also alleges that Mr. Orr has actually attempted to quote, run this play several times before, but was stopped after the lawyers representing him saw the evidence and learned the truth. Representatives for Orr now responding to the Tuohy's statement telling people that they stand by Orr's petition, saying we try cases in the courtroom based on the facts. We have confidence in our judicial system and in our client, Michael Orr. And we believe that justice will be served in the courtroom. And so, as we said earlier this week on the podcast, the two sides very far apart. And we were waiting to hear the Tui family story here, given the allegations we heard from Orr. And there are questions, and we discussed this, as to why he suddenly discovered this financial situation in his late 30s after more than a decade in the NFL. And he earned more than $30 million just in contracts from the league. Uh, Orr claims that he never made any money from the blind side. The Tuohy's lawyer says Orr has received quite an equitable payment around the blind side, saying, quote, when Michael Lewis, a friend of Sean's since childhood, was approached about turning his book on Mr. Orr and the Tuohy's into a movie about the family, his agents negotiated a deal where they received a small advance from the production company and a tiny percentage of the net profits. They insisted that any money received be divided equally, and we have made good on that pledge. The family really returning fire here, Jill, on on all fronts. They say the Tuohy's have always been upfront about the details of the conservatorship, uh, which was established to assist Orr with his needs regarding health insurance, driver's license, getting into college. And we also now have the author of the book, The Blind Side, Michael Lewis, speaking out in the past 24 hours, saying in an interview with The Washington Post that despite the movie's success, no one involved in the book saw millions of dollars from the movie. He's quoted as saying, everyone should be mad at the Hollywood studio system. Michael Orr should join the writer's strike. It's outrageous how Hollywood accounting works, but the money is not in the Tui's pockets. He also says he feels sad about Orr's allegations. Uh, Lewis saying here, the author, they showered him with resources and love that he's suspicious of them is breathtaking. The state of mind one has to be in to do that. I just feel sad for him. Most the columnist, uh, Stephen Carter, uh, wrote, I thought, a really good piece on this whole ordeal in Bloomberg. And I just wanted to read quickly from it. He says the allegations in Orr's petition are serious indeed. But he does point out that there are oddities. For one, uh, the petition makes no mention of Orr's earnings during his years in the NFL. You just mentioned he had four separate deals totaling $30 million. 
And he ends the piece this way. He says, I find myself hoping that the allegations aren't true, that it's all some sort of misunderstanding. At the time Orr moved into the Tui home, rumors were swirling of well-to-do white families adopting talented black kids and persuading them to play sports at the parents' alma maters. The NCAA investigation of this possibility is basically where the movie The Blind Side starts. The feel-good aspect of Orr's story is supposed to be that in this case, the love was real. If it all turns out to have been a sham, well, that's about the saddest ending that The Blind Side could have. Yeah, it's looking really ugly right now between the allegations that came out this week. We should mention Sandra Bullock, the actress who portrayed Leanne Tui in the film and won an Oscar for the role. She's also responding to the controversy. Someone in her camp telling the Daily Mail, she hates that such a wonderful story, a spectacular movie, and a spectacular time in her life now have been tainted. Now people won't watch it, and if they do, they'll have a completely different reaction to its original intention. Uh, Jill, there has been a push uh, among some on social media to get the Oscar taken away from Sandra Bullock for her portrayal. Uh, the cancel crowd really out there on this one, aggressive up front. Again, this is Sandra Bullock's portrayal in a movie of Leanne Tui. Some people want her to lose her Oscar for that acting role because of the allegations that Orr makes. Uh, it appears here the Tuis have uh, fully responded here, and this thing will clearly be argued in court. But this whole story has really gotten an incredible amount of traction. I know we're also uh, diving into it in today's newsletter as well. That's right. And the actor who plays Michael Orr um, in the movie has actually come out in Sandra Bullock's defense, saying that she put on this incredible performance um, and it really doesn't matter, you know, this aftermath and what happened since. In the case of Bullock, she was an actress playing a role, folks. Everyone take a deep breath, please. All right, we have a lot more to get to in today's show, including today's speed read. But first, a quick note from our sponsors. We should say that this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We talk a lot here about the importance of mental health. It's often in the headlines. And whether people are facing major stresses at home or major decisions professionally, talking to someone can always help. There have been times in my life where I've gone to see someone to work things out. Uh, was initially nervous, but it helped me get through some major blocks, get some clarity on things happening in my life, setting boundaries, a whole variety of things. And so we're very glad to have BetterHelp as a sponsor here at Mo News, and they have a deal right now for the Mo News community. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash mosh, M-O-S-H, today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P.com slash Mosh, M-O-S-H. Again, betterhelp.com slash M-O-S-H. And Mosh, we're also always talking about health trends here on the podcast and food trends. And it is hard to get all of your nutrients. Well, one way to get all of the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 Powder. I have AG1 in the morning. It is just one scoop with a glass of water. It is easy and quick, and it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit drinkag1.com slash monews. You could take advantage of this offer. You get a discounted monthly subscription, or you could just try it one time for just a month. 
Again, that is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. All right, time now for the speed read. Let's start with politics. From Fortune, Joe Biden staking his reelection on an economic policy called Bidenomics that is driving Republicans crazy, a preoccupation within President Biden's administration is why the president cannot get any love for a relatively strong economy. In hopes of changing things, Biden opted to embrace Bidenomics as a shorthand for his economic efforts. The phrase has been popping up for months, but it's usually with negative connotations. But now Biden is staking his claim for a second term on it. So how does Biden define Bidenomics? Well, he applies it to elements of his domestic agenda that he says are designed to help regular people directly instead of trickling down from the well-off. That trickle down, Jill, a uh, reference to Reaganomics, uh, named after a different president, that was centered around the idea of tax cuts for the rich that would trickle down to the rest of us. So the chief elements of Bidenomics are the three laws that he signed in his first two years. The bipartisan infrastructure law that's spurring road and bridge building, the CHIPS and Science Act, which boosts manufacturing of semiconductors inside of the U.S., and the Inflation Reduction Act, which has hundreds of billions of dollars to fund clean energy projects and address climate change, So, Mosh, you were at the White House Wednesday on this one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Bidenomics, investing in America. The signs were up everywhere. Big, bold letters behind the president. A double down, a triple down, a quadruple down on the term Bidenomics. We should mention it was initially rolled out by Republicans saying Bidenomics is the worst economy we've ever seen. It's now being embraced by Biden. Now, this ain't the first time that a president is trying to put their name around a policy or embracing it, right? Obamacare, uh, it was called that way by uh, Republicans and then embraced by Obama. And then we mentioned already Reaganomics. So they're trying to make Bidenomics happen. We'll see if this bet works. The bet, by the way, uh, is placed on the fact that the economy should keep getting better over the next 16 months. So when people go to vote next November, Bidenomics is a good thing and not a bad thing. So that's part of the gamble here the White House is making. Mosh, when you posted that on the Instagram account, that was basically my response to you is they better hope that uh, when people go to vote next November, that they feel good about the economy, that Bidenomics actually will be a positive thing. Uh, And it's a big bet because it's still months away. And by the way, we see how things go up and down. I mean, look at gas prices. Look, look at a whole bunch of things, things that both can be controlled by the government and many things that cannot be controlled by the government. So to place a long-term wager like that, always a gamble, but clearly they're feeling pretty good there, given that inflation was 9% last summer, now down to 3%. And so one of the things they're trying to do this week in celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act is remind people what it is. Because the problem they have, Jill, even advocates, even allies of the president have no idea what it is and what it stands for and <laughs> why, if it's done anything positive. And so this has been the beginning of their, hey, you know this thing we passed that was $500 billion last year? Here's what it entails. Climate projects, jobs for several hundred thousand people that'll become a million people over the course of the next decade, uh, new battery plants here, uh, upgrading the electric grid, solar plants, bring down CO2 emissions by 40%, transforming the economy, a whole bunch of tax rebates for your home renovations, for your home energy projects, electric cars. Uh, There's a whole bunch in there. We're getting interesting notes uh, from people on the Instagram, Jill, farmers, uh, 
people with home renovation who've benefited from this thing out. And then some people were like, I had no idea this was happening. And then this is the group they're trying to reach out to and trying to figure out. The people who are saying, I'm not in the market for an electric car. I can't, I don't have enough money to own a home. This stuff doesn't impact me. This seems like stuff for rich people. And this is the issue the Biden folks are facing that they're trying to figure out how to translate this to, which is the economy is good based on the numbers on paper, but still the impact of inflation over the course of the past couple of years has had a real impact and many people are not feeling it. And that includes people who would vote for Biden. When you look at polling, CNN polls, Gallup polls, Fox News polls, name your poll, the majority of Americans still think the economy is going in the wrong direction. And that's going to be a huge issue as the president runs for re-election. Moshe, we've talked about it before, even though technically that inflation rate has gone down, prices have not gone down. They're just not going up quite as fast as they once were. So when you go food shopping, you're still paying, you know, in some cases, double digits more for items like eggs and chicken and milk and just the basics um, than you were paying a year ago. Yeah, if life costs you $5,000 a month, even at inflation at 3%, it's still costing you a couple hundred dollars more a month with inflation at 3%. The prices just keep going up. Uh, one other criticism of that Inflation Reduction Act, Jill, we still don't know the entire price tag of it. It could be above a trillion dollars, depending on how all this shakes out, since it had so much in it. And so there's questions as to whether that'll make inflation worse at some point. So it's very complex, but it appears the White House has begun in earnest, the language I heard at the White House yesterday was really their mantra, practicing their mantra for what their uh, platform is going to be to convince America to give them four more years. And quickly, Moshe, I know that you have met Biden before, but uh, 10 years ago. So what was he like? Can you give us a little bit of, of color, you know, in terms of just being in the same room as the president? Yeah. So just for background, uh, when I was at CBS News, I used to run Washington coverage uh, for CBS News uh, Morning program. And so we would interview him when he was vice president under Obama. Now, that was uh, when he was in his late 60s, early 70s, 10 years ago. Um, very high energy, very jokey, you know, always wanted to spend time with the media. 10 years later, president. And we know that being president alone takes a toll on you. And he also happens to be the oldest president in American history. Now, I didn't get to have face-to-face -face time with him. Uh, but being in the same room with him, watching him speak, um, chill. You know, he shows signs of his age in terms of his speaking. Um, at the end, he started to get a little more energetic when he was talking about fighting for America and not questioning America. But for a, a lengthy part of his remarks, which were about 20-ish minutes or so, um, it felt he felt a little tired, uh, I have to say, a little quiet, very soft-spoken. Certainly not Joe from 10 years ago, even Joe from six years ago. So I think a combination of, of age uh, and just kind of normal presidential wear and tear. You always see the before and afters. of, And this goes back to Obama, who was much younger than him as president. So it will be interesting to see how they're going to manage that energy level and his age on a campaign trail that is pretty rigorous, right? You know, they've already kind of stemmed away from campaign rallies, which is a much bigger thing for Trump, you know, having these huge rallies with thousands of people. That does not appear to be Biden's thing. They're probably going to put him in smaller groups because his energy level seems to work better with that size group. Anyway, that my two cents, my quick takeaway from being in the East Room yesterday. From the New York Times, a federal appeals court panel said on Wednesday that the abortion pill, Mifepristone, should remain legal in the United States, but with significant restrictions on patients' access to it. It sets up a showdown before the Supreme Court on the fate of the most common method of terminating pregnancies. 
The decision would prohibit the pill from being sent through the mail or prescribed by telemedicine. And it's just the latest development in this closely watched lawsuit filed by abortion opponents seeking to block access to abortion pills after 23 years on the market. But the decision will not take effect until the Supreme Court ultimately decides the case. In a ruling this spring, the high court said that Mifepristone should remain available under the current rules until the appeals process concludes. In its ruling, the three-judge panel upheld a part of the decision that was issued in April by a federal judge in Texas who had nullified the FDA's approval of the pill more than two decades ago. So long story short, nothing changes for Mifepristone. All access, mail, telemedicine, uh, in person for now. Now the question is, does the Supreme Court take this up or do they uh, effectively not take it up, which would then mean this decision stands, which would then, again, uh, keep Mifepristone legal, but uh, limit how you access it. So it's going to work its way through the courts. It's interesting, Jill, because this circuit is out of the South. It's one of the more conservative circuits. It was specifically chosen by the plaintiffs here who are anti this pill because they were hoping for a result where this would be quashed. And so you had a district judge who basically was going to limit the entire thing and then went up to the appeals court here. They're sort of splitting the difference here, um, going back to pre-2016 standards for Mifepristone. And if the Supreme Court takes this up and affirms the appeals court decision or doesn't take it up at all, it effectively means that patients would have to make three medical visits before getting the pill and could not receive the pills in the mail. Jill, you mentioned that abortion pills are the uh, most common way of having an abortion in this country now uh, used in half of all pregnancy terminations. From the Wall Street Journal, doctors transplanted a pig kidney into a person a month ago, and it's still working. A genetically modified pig kidney transplanted into a brain-dead person has worked for 32 days and counting, and this advances efforts to use animals to ease perennial shortages for humans. Doctors at NYU Langone Health in New York City transplanted that pig kidney into 57-year-old Maurice Miller on July 14th. The results, which have not been published yet, might provide researchers with data to support clinical trials testing animal to human transplants. NYU Langone researchers had previously studied pig hearts and kidneys in humans for just up to 72 hours. The shorter period allowed them to see whether or not the human immune system would immediately reject the pig organs. To make pig organs more suitable for human transplants, scientists do need to edit the pig DNA a little bit, extending the duration of studies in brain-dead humans to 30 days and beyond provides a lot of new insights, but it does raise some ethical and scientific questions because it means keeping brain-dead people on ventilators and extending the length of studies delays burial and closure for families. Miller's family and a research oversight committee at NYU Langone agreed to extend this experiment for another 30 days until mid-September. Miller's sister saying it is only fitting that in his final act, he will be helping so many in need. So a quick look at the numbers here. More than 100,000 people in the U.S. are currently waiting for organs and more than 6,000 die every year waiting for one. The system relies on people registering to serve as organ donors. Uh, We have, uh, as you mentioned, seen shortages. In some places, if you need an organ, you need to find someone else you know to also donate one. That's sort of the system that's in place. Scientists have spent decades, though, trying to improve transplants 
among species or between species. Here, you might remember a couple decades ago, the use of chimpanzee or baboon organs, early candidates because they were non-human primates, but our closest genetic relative. But scientists have found in recent years that they should focus on pigs, whose organs happen to be a similar size to those uh, in humans and similar functions. Pigs also produce large litters that are thought less likely than chimpanzees and baboons to transmit viruses to people. So doctors over at NYU are among those looking to seek guidance from the FDA on how to begin clinical trials here. Researchers still have not received FDA clearance. The FDA has asked for additional evidence from pig organ transplants in baboons. So these are pig organs in baboons before clearing pig organs in people. But most potentially game-changing research. Jill, as a non-doctor, that's what I'm reading here. (laughs) (laughs) From Variety actor Bradley Cooper facing some backlash over his use of a prosthetic nose to portray famous Jewish conductor Leonard Bernstein. And now Bernstein's kids are coming to Bradley Cooper's defense over this film, Maestro. So let's back up a bit. Netflix released the first trailer for Cooper's Maestro. It's a biographical romance about Leonard Bernstein and his wife. Many viewers, though, taking issue with Cooper wearing a large prosthetic nose. They are deeming it the latest example of Hollywood's stereotypical or inauthentic portrayal of Jewish people known as, quote, Jew face. But in a statement posted to Bernstein's Twitter account, the late conductor's children defended Cooper's decision to, quote, use makeup to amplify his resemblance to their father, Cooper, by the way, also directed the movie Maestro. Bernstein's kids writing, quote, Bradley Cooper included the three of us along every step of his amazing journey as he made his film about our father. It breaks our hearts to see any misrepresentations or misunderstandings of his efforts. It happens to be true that Leonard Bernstein had a nice big nose. This is their words. Bradley chose to use makeup to amplify his resemblance, and we are perfectly fine with that. And we are also certain that our dad would have been fine with it as well. Any strident complaints around this issue strike us above all as disingenuous attempts to bring a successful person down a notch, a practice that we observed all too often perpetrated on our own father. So this is not the first time we've seen this. I'll get into that in a second. Jill, also recently, Helen Mirren was entangled in a controversy related to this because she's playing former Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir in the new film Golda. Uh, some actors saying they disagreed with Mirren being cast because Jewishness of the character is so integral. One actor saying they would have never allowed Ben Kingsley to play Nelson Mandela. You just don't go there. Other recent examples here of non-Jews being cast as Jews include Catherine Hahn as Joan Rivers, Felicity Jones as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But it's not just limited to Jews here. We saw this issue with Javier Bardem recently. He's a Spaniard who was playing Desi Arnaz, a Cuban. He received a bunch of backlash for that. He defended himself and stood by that, saying he's an actor acting. Brendan Fraser uh, wearing a fat suit in The Whale, of which, you know, was an incredible performance. Some people complained that that should have been an actor with a larger figure playing that role as opposed to a skinnier person in a fat suit. Um, Jill, I was thinking like half the cast of Succession were Brits playing Americans. <laughs> by the way, they're all very they're very good at the American accent. Uh, Matthew Reese is an actor who also, by the way, has portrayed Americans literally in a show called The Americans um, <laughs> with a British accent. So like, what's the line here where, you know, let actors act? Why do we have to now, if the person was X, that has to be portrayed by an X person? Now, there are certain lines we did talk, you know, earlier in the year about Tom Hanks remarks 
where he said that he doesn't think in this day and age him as a non-gay person could have played the character in Philadelphia that he played in the 90s. So this certainly does bring up interesting debates, conversations about where you draw the line, where you try to ensure someone from that community has the opportunity to be portrayed or portray someone from that community. But there are times where it's just like, can you let an actor act? Does everyone have to fall into a certain bucket? I don't know. Look, I'm pretty sensitive to Jewish issues, and I I yeah. tend to think that this is much ado about nothing. But as you said, I do think, you know, actors, that's what they do. They are literally acting and pretending to be somebody else. That's kind of the gig, right? I just want to say right here that when the movie comes out about Mo News <laughs> and someone needs to portray me, I will be more than happy with Bradley Cooper to portray me. And if he thinks that my schnoz uh, is that he can't effectively tell my story without a prosthetic schnoz. I'm cool with it, Bradley. Bradley, I'm here telling you right now, portray me. We're cool. (laughs) (laughs) And from space.com, the new race to the moon's South Pole. For the first time in nearly half a century, Russia has made it to the moon. The nation's Luna 25 mission, the country's first moon effort since 1976, when Russia was part of the Soviet Union, successfully reached lunar orbit, and the spacecraft appears to be in good shape, according to the Russian government. Luna 25 still has a huge milestone ahead. It's a, a planned touchdown near the moon's South Pole, which the mission aims to attempt five to seven days from now. If Luna 25 sticks the landing, it will study its intriguing surroundings for the next year or so using eight science instruments. Among its many tasks will be hunting for water ice, a resource thought to be plentiful in the South Polar region. And it's getting crowded up there over on the moon. Have you been to Manhattan, Moshe? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not quite Manhattan, but the moon is about to get more crowded because the Russians are going to try to land there in the next week. The Indians also have a probe that apparently will be landing in the same general area of the South Pole of the moon. Now, keep in mind that a couple of recent attempts crashed into the moon. The Israelis crashed into the moon. And I think the Indians had one that crashed into the moon as well. So they both have to stick the landing here. The South Pole is significant here uh, because the Americans, we are also trying to get there in the not too distant future. Artemis 3, that's the mission, the manned mission. We're going to put astronauts back on the moon. Also set the touchdown in the South Pole of the moon in the next couple of years. That touchdown would be our first in more than 50 years. And the surge in interest is simple. The South Pole is presumed to have water ice, and NASA needs ice there in order to support human outposts, right? Because you have to go up there with a certain amount of water. But if there's water on the moon, well, water is H2O, right? Well, that has O in it, oxygen. So you are able to make oxygen out of that water, which means you can keep people up there for a very long time because you have water and you have oxygen. That's what we need. And so you can do that. You can build the base there, the base that can then serve as a launch pad to Mars. And that's why all this focus, you're going to be hearing a lot these next few years about the South Pole and based on the, the photos that we've taken, the things that we've sent up there, confirming the idea that there is ice on the South Pole of the moon. I thought that the Russians already found water on the moon. Oh, wait, that was just for all mankind on Apple TV. I mean, this is literally yeah, the plot of that of that show, right? <laughs> this is the plot, but in the show, it takes place 40 years ago uh, when we all paused our uh, moon landings in real life. We're now all sort of getting back to it 50 years later. 
All right, now time for On This Day in History. We'll keep it tight today for everybody. We'll begin in 1945. English author George Orwell published Animal Farm, an anti-utopian satire that becomes a classic. Uh, Of course, he also is known for 1984 as well, which is referenced all the time these days. Fast forward to 1982. On this day, Phillips produces the world's first CD. CDs turn 41 years old today. Fast forward to 1992. On this day, Hurricane Andrew becomes the first named storm of that hurricane season. It would go on to make landfall in Florida, destroying more than 50,000 homes, $26 billion in damage, making it the most expensive natural disaster in American history, at least until Katrina happens 13 years later. And staying in the 90s, 25 years ago tonight, this is what Americans heard when they turned on their TV sets. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part for which I am solely and completely responsible. Recognize that voice? That's Bill Clinton admitting to the world that he did have, yes, an inappropriate sexual relationship with former White House intern Monica Lewinsky. That came after six months of denying it to the world, to Congress, to his staff, and to his wife, Hillary. He would go on several months later to be impeached by the House partially due to those lies, but of course not convicted uh, for that affair with her and then lying about it. What a simpler time we were living in. (laughs) (laughs) Really got the ball rolling on these modern impeachments, Jill. (laughs) Can't go a year without those now. All right, we're going to end here with a bit of music news. On this day 21 years ago, that's Dilemma featuring Nelly, Kelly Rowland. It reached number one on the Billboard charts on this day 21 years ago. Jill, I mentioned it in the beginning. This is also known as the song with the music video, where if you look closely, Kelly Rowland with her like flip phone from 20 years ago, looks like she's using Microsoft Excel to text Nelly, which has led to this whole online joke that it's pretty evident why Nelly wasn't texting her back in the music video, because she's writing a message in Microsoft Excel on her, <laughs> on her flip phone. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> And she's been waiting ever since. Um, All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. It will help us grow. It might make you look smart. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And review us in the App Store. Oh, I feel like today's episode will totally make you look smart. Uh, Drop some of these knowledge bombs we gave you today and some of your friends and family uh, at lunch, at dinner, uh, you know, on Zoom if you're still working from home. Anyway, I should also mention, Jill, we did a deep dive into Hawaii history. I'm obsessed with this stuff now. Uh, We got a whole bunch of questions in regards to the skepticism many Hawaiians have for the federal government. And I noted to people earlier this week, well, that's because of the history Hawaii has and how it became a state, the coup that America literally launched in Hawaii. And so we actually did a deep dive on that over on the Mo News Premium Instagram account. Check that out over at, if you're not a member already, join over at mo.news slash premium. We have a 30-day free trial right now with the code Mo News Trial. All right, everyone. Have a good day. Later. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.